Hello and welcome to Psychological Safety in Teams podcast series with me, your host, Sheila Worry, in which we hear insights and tips from leaders on how they and the teams they're a part of are creating a psychologically safe and high-performing environment. It is my aim to illuminate ways for you to increase your own levels of psychological safety in teams and how you can set up the conditions for others to do the same. I hope you enjoy the discussions. Hello and welcome. Today I have with me Sabina Raybold. Sabina has been a counsellor and psychotherapist in private practice for the past 22 years. She is an experienced lecturer, teacher and trainer in the fields of counselling, communication and leadership and conducts clinical supervision with new and experienced therapists. She's worked as an academic for the past two decades and is the director of training of a postgraduate psychotherapy training course. She is also the director of Well for Life, a multidisciplinary therapy centre in Sydney, Australia. Sabina Raybold, welcome to the podcast. So lovely to see you and speak with you about this really potent topic. Mm -hmm. And Sabina, I'd love to kick off the podcast today by asking, as a counsellor, a psychotherapist and an academic, what does psychological safety mean to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's, it's really the foundation of all the work that we do. And I guess we can look at psychological safety from a perspective of it being a cognitive function or a behavioural uh, experience but really essentially the experience of psychological safety is a physical one. We know when we feel safe with someone or in a situation, our whole body knows we relax, we breathe easy, we can think clearly. So it's, you know, while there's a a number of skills that are involved in creating psychological safety for oneself and others, the actual experience of it is an embodied one. The other point to make, and I know that, you know, other people have different uh, definitions and talk about it differently, but the other point I think is important to make is that it's not an either or. Either psychological safety is there or it isn't there. I think psychological safety happens on a continuum and really almost every interaction every moment can either increase an experience of psychological safety or decrease it. So, for example, if in our conversation you would start laughing now as I'm talking, my psychological safety sense of it will kind of decrease because I would go like, I don't know what's going on here. I feel a bit off-center now. But because you're listening, you're looking at me, you're nodding, your facial expressions are uh, congruent with what I'm saying, I feel really safe, I feel relaxed, I feel like I can open up to you. It's such a great lens to consider the concept, you know, the fact that it's an embodied experience. And I love the idea of a continuum. So it kind of frees us up um, to know that we can correct course correct and to repair as as we as we need to mm-hmm. and, and I'm interested oh, yeah please and I, I so agree with that and and the importance of that is that you know we all do 
we all get distracted. We all, you know, get go off on a tangent. But it's our self-awareness that shows us, oh, okay, something's just happened here relationally. The other person may kind of have just shifted their body a little, their face may, they may look more stressed perhaps, they may, their shoulders may tighten. What do I need to do in this moment to help the other person feel more at ease again? Yeah, yeah. So there's an opportunity to repair so building on that, Sabina, um, as a therapist, what would you say, uh, what really supports the, uh, the building of psychological safety? It's our bread and butter, really, as therapists. Without it, there is no therapy. So the, there's a few things that we learn from, right from the get-go when we train to become therapists. And that is that we need to be uh, congruent in the way that we present ourselves. And that includes what we say, it includes our facial expressions, our tone of voice. It includes that we genuinely welcome the client and bring curiosity and interest, as well as a sense of empathy and compassion to what the client shares. And coming back to this idea of psychological safety being experienced on a physical level, it's you can, as a therapist, as an experienced therapist, you can track how that, how that is going for the client by the way they either come forward or they lean back by the change in the tone of voice, the change of their facial expressions. And for therapists, really, the, the, it's, the, it, it's the genuineness, it's the integrity that we bring to the work. It's the way that we um, hold eye contact, the quality of our eye contact. It's the tone of our voice, all of that builds or as we mentioned a moment ago can also diminish a sense of psychological safety but in therapy without it um, there is no there is no trust really and without trust there is no sense of opening up no sense of um, deepening into a conversation that's about vulnerability really mm -hmm. So I'm hearing some great opportunities there for the listeners and for leaders to, to really learn from the training that you've had as a therapist. To, and you've given us some sort of practical ways to build that congruency. Um, things like empathy, curiosity, eye contact, tone of voice, and so on. I'm interested to hear, um, with that in mind, what do you think would erode psychological safety? It's quite easily done, as, as we've mentioned already. A lot of it is nonverbal. As human beings, we, we are so good at tracking and, and responding, even on a quite unconscious level, to the nonverbals. So if we speak to someone and they turn away, or they, like they're distracted, or um, they use ridicule, or uh, laugh at, at, at the point we have to make or they um, don't take us seriously, they might kind of use cynicism or overt aggression. If there's competitiveness or if there's a minimization of one's point of view, if there's like the list goes on and on and on, but mm -hmm. it works on, on this conscious level, but also on a level that we're not even aware of. Because from the moment we're born, we're so in tune with nonverbal cues that we, we take this, um, 
you know, we take a lot of that in and then respond to it without even knowing. And of course, if we've grown up in a household where there wasn't a lot of psychological safety, we are primed. So coming into a workplace, for example, we can misread the cues as well and perhaps find the, uh, the filters that we have from our earlier times inform how we respond and then good leadership, good training, as well as good self-awareness can really contribute to um, turning this around. And of course, your work as an executive coach makes a really big difference because you can really offer that kind of feedback to people and reality check and, 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 and a deepening of understanding of one's patterns and, and ingrained beliefs and so on. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, as I, as I hear you talk, the, uh, the kind of the threads of some of the things that you've said um, sort of stand out in terms of it, it really starts with that self-awareness, doesn't it? And you talk about sort of family of origin or the household that we grew up in. And yes, that does. I do see those um, particular filters or particular worldviews or, or lenses that people may have that, they, that they're not consciously aware of. And exploring those can really support them in think and then actively thinking about how do they want to lead and then lead to the congruency that you you just spoke about. So you've given us again some good examples um, and have started to explore what would then build psychological safety. Is there anything specifically, Sabina, that you'd like to add there? Well, I think in, in terms of a leadership role, it's the role modeling that makes all the difference. So coming from a values-based works work, um, uh, what's the word, like having a corporate value that ingrains the value of the people and the importance of the people within within the organisation, that's a starting point. And then for the leader to actually role model what that means, and to also call out behaviour that's not not acceptable, snickering, as I mentioned earlier you know, behavior that includes aggression or passive aggressive kind of digs at people, exclusion of people, like a, a leader needs to, I think, also have the guts to call that out in a good way, not in a shaming way. You know, shame is the other, you know, is the painful side of, of psychological safety because we're so, you know, as humans, we just are vulnerable people and you know beings and so it's it's like we want to protect that and then you know shame embarrassment so the leader really needs to role model call out uh, behavior bullying behavior we luckily have lots of guidelines these days about that sexually inappropriate behavior things like that that can just lead to that sense of not safe in in, in body and mind and, um, and then also give the, the team members the opportunity to train, to become more self-aware, to self-reflect on behavior, and to for everyone together to kind of foster that sense of safety for self, but also safety for each other. What can I do to help my the next person feel more safe in my presence and in the presence of, this, uh, of the team? What can I do to contribute to that? So I think there's some uh, real opportunities there that, um, that are on offer. And it seems like everything you spoke about there really does come back to behaviour, which makes sense, of course. And I, you know, I'm really hearing the role modelling and, and being very clear about, about what a leader's particular values are so that that can then ensure that they are 
creating the right behaviors consciously. And I love the call out in terms of not only thinking about what do I need to do to build my own psychological safety so that I do feel able to speak up and contribute in this team, but how can I do that for others? So Sabina, to, to finish this up and to round out this conversation, I'd love to hear from you in terms of tips that you have um, for leaders that are working to create higher levels of psychological safety in their teams. Yeah, so in addition to those comments just then, I think it's also important to balance a team's task and maintenance. So task is what do we have to do? What do we have to achieve? What are our goals? And then balance that with, with the relationship tasks that a leader has. How do I foster a relationship? How do I maintain good relationship among the, the team? How do I contribute to everyone's sense of well-being within, within the organization? So, and I know it's hard because it's so fast paced and it's so, um, you know, driven by being productive and so on. So it's sometimes hard to kind of find that right balance. But in my experience working with teams, unless the team is well as a team, productivity, you know, it really suffers. And, um, you know, you've mentioned words like creativity, innovation. If we don't feel psychologically safe, the body creates a stress response, a fight flight response, a survival response. And that has a direct impact on how well the brain functions. And if the brain doesn't function very well, if cognitive functioning is reduced, how can we be good at the work we do? How can we be as good as we can be? So really creating that sense of well-being within the team and giving opportunities uh, like executive coaching, like opportunities for the team to, to, to really kind of get to know each other. And coming back again to this idea of role modeling, it you know, seems, seems that's where it starts. Yeah, beautiful. I, you know, one of the things that I, I seem to spend a fair amount of time talking to leaders about is the idea of being versus doing. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I think you mentioned the fast paced nature of work, you know, and, and the fact that, that leaders are asked to produce results, as we all are, I mean, the team is asked to produce results. And therefore, it's very easy to get seduced into being focused on the result and losing sight of, of who they're being as they do that, and then uh, losing sight of the relational piece. Mm. Um, and I love the term uh, well as a team. That's something I'm gonna take away mm. with, with me today. It's, it's, it really kind of um, sums up, a, it sums it up well for me. So Sabina, hugely grateful for you joining the conversation today. Thank you so much for being here. Lovely to speak. Thanks, Sheila.